If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 317 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan. Joined today by the Olaf Merlberg of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about an absolutely huge week in the world of mixed martial arts. Two new Irish men with belts, some good results, some, uh, some bad results as well for Irish MMA, but overall a fantastic weekend, a big UFC fight, we had a PFL, we had an interim Bellator heavyweight title fight, which I didn't realise was an interim Bellator heavyweight title fight until they got in the cage, or else I did and I, I just forgot. But anyway, we will get into all of that. But first... Let me give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. And fellas, how's your beach bod treating you? Uh, Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Don't be the guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest. And if you grew some quarantine mantids, the least you could do is make sure they're hairless. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. And I'm actually going away this week for the first time in a while and I'm going to need my Manscaped with me as I get a couple of days away above in Dublin and Manscaped is dedicated to people like me and Graham uh, to help you level up your body grooming game they have forever changed the grooming game with the perfect package 3.0 and that kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 which is waterproof cordless uh, a body and hair tr- body hair trimmer even and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your uh, grooming routine this is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave or third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents tan- thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped I actually had the worst haircut of my life I wish I had just taken my Manscaped to my own head and get it but anyway that's another story you can uh, you also, can. No, I actually still I probably fucking should it's so bad uh, you can adjust settings to the lint you like uh, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all you can even trim an arrow pointing to the promised land if you're bold enough which neither of us definitely are uh, be sure to use your crop cleanser body wash to keep your hair and skin healthy and fresh too inside the uh, perfect package you'll find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant and Moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also have the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a testy toner that's designed to give you a pep in your step. So subscribe to the Perfect Package and you get a new refill for your lawnmower 3.0 trimmer delivered to your door every three months and for a limited time subscribers get two free gifts the shared travel bag which i was actually i had out today and i, I was uh, i was filling it with stuff which is 39 dollars in value added on the patented high performance boxers so get 20 percent off uh with the code severemanscape.com and free shipping do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job so that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severemanscape.com 20 percent off free shipping with the code 
severemanscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. So we were the still, I don't know, that's the second week I've said that and it still doesn't feel right. But anyway, where to start, Graham? Where to start uh, mixed martial arts in Ireland? It's been a tough couple of years, I suppose. You know, it's it's uh, we we'll have Conor McGregor coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, and we'll talk loads about that. Obviously, next week with the coverage starting this week, I've uh, actually if you sign up for Patreon, I have the rewatch of both McGregor versus Poria fights coming uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, I believe. So sign up for that. But you know, we've obviously we everyone knows Irish MMA and where it kind of came from. Conor McGregor to go worldwide with Cahill Pindred coming afterwards, and you know Chris Fields and. Uh, Neil Seary and Paul Redmond and Norman Park and Ashling Daly even before that as she spoke about so uh, well this week over on Twitter and stuff and we had you know Artem and everyone coming after it as well but it's been you know since the death of Joe Carvalho and you know the coronavirus obviously we've had very little uh, MMA and a very very hard time in the world of Irish mixed martial arts over the last few years uh, obviously with McGregor kind of losing his fights as well and not fighting that much and going to boxing and things this week, this weekend especially, those the main event Cage Warriors one two four, the main event uh, event of Cage Warriors one two five, to see two Irishmen coming out holding the gold. I know we're unbiased journalists and all here, Graham, but it was nice to see, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was just a nice thing to see two Irishmen holding that gold, doesn't it? As you, you especially as someone who's covered Irish MMA probably before anyone, years and years before me, it, it was nice to see it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, um, you mentioned there. It's been like what twenty eleven. We started. I started Severe MMA, so it's been ten years. And one of the first things we did was was Cage Contender fourteen. We did a little, uh, little like mini documentary on Paddy Hulan and Owen Roddy and Owen McCulgan or not Owen McCulgan, <laughs> Joe McCulgan <laughs> was uh was fighting. I think James Heelan that night uh, in one of his first amateur fights, if not maybe even. A, I'm not sure if it was his first or one of his first amateur fights. And, you know, he kind of got that moniker from that of like the SPG hunter uh, from around that time. And he was kind of like, you know, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, a journey that we followed him on all the way. And, you know, that definitely gives it a bit more. You, I think you mentioned on the, the podcast with Jake that like for a minute there, you were kind of celebrating like a fan and, you know, that's rare these days when you've been watching as many fights and covering as many fights as me and you have. And, you know, it, it definitely, you know, it's very hard to say unbiased in, in circumstances like these. Like, I am I feel like I'm pretty good at staying unbiased, to be honest. And, you know, I, I uh, you know, for obviously for Irish, I mean, Irish fighters doing well and, and getting better is, is good for us. And we try, you know, to talk honestly about how maybe to get them to the very best more than other countries, maybe, I suppose, because we are closest to them. And obviously that is our focus of coverage. Uh, but still, you know, if they take the right step, we, we obviously say it. If they take the wrong step, we say it as well. So uh, that's that's kind of always been my feeling. But having spoken to George... I don't really mean the bias in terms of, in terms yeah. of that, though. I mean in terms of, like, you know, being more happy for be, yeah. like having that kind of moment of, of yes of 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 uh you know i think it's a maybe an irish thing as well of irish are very prideful of any kind of sport you know people start women's hockey people were, were proud of that for when when we were winning at it like when we beat england in the cricket people were into cricket all of a sudden you know what i mean people just like to see irish people do well and when you've obviously been following these guys for a long time as well it's a it's a bit more special when you see them kind of get somewhere that maybe it looked it looks like they might not get at one stage. 
Yeah, well, there's actually a lady from just down the road for me on that Irish uh, hockey team, so I, I have to be a fan of them. And I've always been a cr- big cricket fan, everyone knows that. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I, I it's, it is true, it is true, I suppose. But I think we have been, and I suppose this is a different conversation for a, another day and a longer conversation, but with MMA, the way, I suppose, McGregor broke onto the scene, us as people covering the sports in Ireland have had to be very, very unbiased and even more unbiased than, than people across the water or else we would have been like called out for it and called, you know, McGregor fanboys in and outside of Ireland. Even though when you watch other sports covered in Ireland, there is lots of, you know, um, if the Ireland soccer team are playing, like they talk about wanting them to win and they cheer them and they're happy afterwards and all. Whereas if we did that, we'd be kind of castigated for it. But ugh, I did... I won't lie, I did for a, for a second after John Colgan won that fight. I was and and I was very happy because I was I was like it wasn't only that it was an Irish lad winning and after I spoke to him during the week and I I spoke to Joe before but never in like you know what was a twenty five minute interview or a twenty minute interview or whatever it might be like that where he just speaks so candidly and honestly and not in a like. Uh, a bravado filled way or not talking shit or not promoting a fight or anything like that it was actually kind of the opposite even of doing that at times which i just i really he's just a really normal guy you know what i mean he's just a normal guy there's no bullshit he's he's not trying to say he's this he's that he's not trying to call anybody out he's not trying to put anybody down or get in their heads he's just doing it for the love of the game and doing it while he's doing other things it's not like it's not like everything to him but he just enjoys it and you know, wants to go out there and prove himself and see how far he can go. And he also does it in a way that I like very much. The jab, the beautiful, clean striking, the game planning. You know, he talked about his fight IQ and said that was uh, one of his best attributes to me, which... You know, anyone know, <laughs> who listens to this podcast knows me talking about jabbing and fight IQ and stuff like that. It's it's what I love in MMA more than anything else. And for him to go out and have a perfect game plan to, to say it on the podcast and do exactly what he said. Wor- I went back and listened to it word for word almost. He said exactly uh, what he was going to do when he did it. Uh, it was. It was I think a- his jab and his all round striking and his all round game in general was the, the best it's ever been. You know, he rose to the occasion. It's a, you know, a t- Cage Warriors title fight is a big fight. You know, it, it means it means everything uh, when you're when you're fighting for it. And he he went in there composed and slick and put everything together. And you know, it was an absolutely brilliant performance against a guy who's you know. He won the belt and defended it in Cage Warriors. He, he's not a joke uh, by any means. He's a he's a good guy, and he just he big brothered him out there. Yeah, he he really did. It was it was one of those where it was it was it wasn't just a good win, and he outpointed a guy, or you know he uh, he he even even he out fight IQ'd him. You know it wasn't it wasn't just that he destroyed him. Like Aggie, I I thought realized early that Joe was. Um, was slightly better than him and he tried to take the gas out of Joe he tried to push him against the cage he tried everything he could to kind of stay in the fight but I, I've said it many a times before and I said on the, the podcast I did with Jake on, on Patreon if people haven't heard it yet but I've always 
spoken about something clicking for Joe, you know? And we, we've spoken many times about Joe's journey from fighting, you know, Tom Hogan, which Graham, you, you could mention about maybe that how, how good of an amateur he was to Peter Queeley in his second fight to, you know, Mason Jones, Joy Herbert and everyone in between, many Bin Lakhtar and one of the, the fights of, the, of uh, one of the best fights ever in Cage Wars. He's taken that tough, hard road to get to where he's gotten to. And where you have now at this end point, and I'm not saying this is the end point, but this is a end point, is a fighter who's better than he's ever been. All that work, all the wins, all the losses have made him the fighter he is today and have made him prepared and ready to win that cage warrior title. You know, we constantly talk about fighters, you know, b- progressing and getting better and becoming better fighters and learning with each uh, win or each loss or each you know, training camp uh, and uh, changing up the way they fight to become better with all of that and putting it all together. And John McCulligan has done that. He's living, breeding evidence of how that works. And for me as well, that was part of it. That was part of seeing it. You know, we, we remember, you know, hearing about the Queely fight and how he won it and everyone kind of being a little bit shocked. But, um, and in all the fights after it as well. And for, for, for Joe, like, you know, he took a year out at one stage and after the Mason Jones loss, it was a big setback and everyone thought, okay, well, he's, you know, and he, Joe kind of spe- spoke himself about how he has a job and he works full time and everything. And MMA isn't his be all and end all. He literally said if he, they asked him to fight for free, he'd just do it because he wants to do it. And for him to still be able to go out and still be able to get it done. And now, you know, I'll be on the verge of a couple of big fights in Cage Warriors and also not be too far away from the UFC as anyone who holds a Cage Warriors belt. Brilliant stuff. And brilliant for his team as well above an FAI, isn't it, Graham? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, um, we've seen Cage Warriors titles for Irish guys before, but we, uh, for for some of these teams that are winning them now, uh well, obviously, get on to the the other the other uh, Irish new Irish champion uh, in a, in a few minutes. But for these teams, you know, they put in a lot of work into these these guys and a lot of errors, and you know, took them from the from very raw walking into the gym, not know not knowing anything about MMA to you know being a Cage Warriors champion. That's that's a big achievement. They shouldn't be sniffed at. Yeah, no, absolutely, a hundred percent. And that is something which uh, you know <laughs> we've discussed it before and kind of debated it with. You know, Conor McGregor obviously leads a lot of what has happened over the last few years in Irish MMA. And, you know, his staying at the gym, being loyal to the gym, not going overseas to train and stuff like that has been a thing that other people have followed. Like, you know, people follow everything Conor McGregor seems to do in Irish MMA. And, you know, whether that's always a good thing or a bad thing is, is up for debate, I would say. But we are now seeing that, I suppose, pay dividends. And as you mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll get on to Ian Gary as well. Um... He, you know, he's he spoke about that. You know, taking inspiration from Conor McGregor. The reason he's fighting is because of McGregor, and it's it's interesting that it's, you know, we kind of have past the the McGregor era of fighters. You know, that the 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 Pindreds and and the Paddy Hulans and all them who have retired and moved on to coaching and things, uh, and now we have. I suppose the era which they created afterwards, you know, which is is very very interesting, very kind of cool for us to see, and it makes us, I suppose, feel a bit old as well. But before we move on from from Joe McCalgan, like, what do you think is next for Joe? Do you think he's going to be one of these guys who is happy enough to to kind of see it out in cage wires for a while, or and not just him, but. Is he going to get one of these fights? And do you think one of these fights where he kind of wins and it's a bigger fight where he's the champion defense his belt and then the UFC are looking at him? Or do you think he's one of these guys maybe the UFC aren't looking at as as much? 
Well, I'd say the UFC are in no rush to, to sign him, you know. He, he'd tell you himself, like, he's not young, he's not undefeated. Uh, but if the, if the, if they're going to put on a, a show locally, like, you know, and people can travel, like, if they put one on the UK and people from Northern Ireland and Ireland can travel, I'd say there'd be a lot of people going over. But if, if they were to put a show on in, in Ireland or in Northern Ireland, obviously, you, it would be a, there'd be a serious campaign behind them as, as there always is behind the Irish guys and, um, you know that that would be his route in, but I, I, if they're if they're not going to be putting on a show locally in the next you know year or two, it's going to be a lot more difficult for him to get signed. But uh, you know yeah. if he keeps winning and keeps putting on performances like like he did, uh, you know two nights ago, mm-hmm. you know there'll be there'll be no denying him then. Yeah, and do you know what the thing about this is well, sometimes we move on too quickly, and you know maybe maybe we shouldn't have even been talking about that uh, today. What the next step is because this step. This step is a big step, you know, winning that belt, as Joe talked about himself, you know, when I spoke to him, this is a huge step for him, it's, uh, like, he probably aimed for this over the last few years and wanted to get there and had belief in himself that he had the ability to win it, but, like, you, it's all grand having that, you know, and thinking you're going to get to that position, but to actually go out and do it against someone as good as Aggie Sadari, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I've spoken about Aggie before and the, the couple of previews we've done with Brad as well, and I rate him as very highly as a fighter. I think he has the ability to go to the UFC and do well there. I just I think he's a well-rounded fighter, and Joe, he really did make it look easy. Now, it, you'd almost forget... <laughs> Take it back on the fight. He not only beat him up on the feet, he ended up submitting him as well. You know, he stopped all the takedowns when he, Aggie Sadari tried to take him down. Joe ended up on top, did a great job on top, landed shots. And, you know, I, I talked earlier about, uh, mentioned previously about things clicking for Joe. I thought his striking, the pop on his striking last night looked like something I've never seen from McCoggan before. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And if he can keep that going... And if he can put finishes with it, if he can put submissions with it, if his takedown defense keeps looking like it looked in that fight, like, I, I won't talk about the future because I just said I wouldn't, but he's going to be a yeah. very, very good fighter and he's going to keep... Another thing, just before we move on from that mm-hmm. fight, um, uh, when when he was defending the kind of takedown attempts or, uh, you know, little kind of breather periods against the cage he was landing some very nice elbows and forcing the the head position to be high mm-hmm. and kind of basically taking away all possibility of uh of ending up on bottom and it, it, just everything he did as you said it was was smart it was everything clicked he just seemed he just seemed to have an answer for everything and was just was just better everywhere you know he just uh, even if he had it end up on his back yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't have been worried you know uh, I, I think he was just he rose to the occasion. He he just looked, you know, the best he's ever looked. I said it before, but you know, uh, you know, sometimes the pressure can get the guys on these occasions as well. And it definitely, like you know, this guy's fought before uh, for the title twice, so he has a bit more experience than Joe in terms of that. But Joe didn't didn't seem phased at all. Like you know, just absolutely brilliant performance. Absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, very, very, very crisp. I thought everything he did was very crisp and. Uh, 100% fair play to Joe and uh, congratulations, congratulations even to all the lads in uh, in FAI as well. Uh, so the other man obviously to win the uh, the Cage Warriors title this weekend was uh, was Ian Gary and you know it's it's obviously been a a big week for uh, for Ian Gary and everyone around him. We will get to that in a second, but you know we'll th- let's talk about the fight first and let's talk about the performance because that that's the main thing at the end of the day. You know we can talk about the drama, we can talk about everything else, but the fight. 
is the main thing and what a fight it was from Ian Gary I thought it was a, a phenomenal performance um I think a, a big thing coming into the fight was Jack Grant's ability on the ground and how Ian Gary would deal with that if he was forced to go into that realm and he dominated he really dominated there he had the Jack Grant had like a Sulawev stretch at one stage but Gary did well there Gary's leg was kind of caught inside at one stage as well he managed to get it out and he landed shots as he was getting it out he almost submitted him as well I think it was in the second round with a darts he had kind of that that standing head and arm choke as well at one stage he was looking for a 10 finger choke late in the fight as well he was almost caught in a leg lock late in the fight but not managed to get out of it he didn't look in trouble at any stage on the ground and now that's before you even get to what happened on the feet I thought I thought midway through the second round Jack Grant kind of realized he was woolly outmatched on the feet and he probably knew coming in and I think he tried to play into what has happened this week and he tried to talk to Ian Gary and he tried to bring him out of his game and Gary was he was just like staunch in and headstrong in his uh, inability to listen to what Grant was saying, or not, not maybe not to listen to it, but to to take on board what he was saying, or to be affected by what he was saying. He just kept coming forward, and I thought as well in the corner. I must say, Paul Hughes, I thought did a fantastic job. He kept roaring at him, concentrate, don't get drawn in, don't get drawn in, and he didn't, and uh, landed some beautiful stuff. I thought his jab all night was absolutely fantastic. That left high kick he landed early was brilliant as well. He said in the interview afterwards, and uh, K-Drivers actually didn't interview him directly on TV after, or on Fight Pass afterwards, and I know people probably say, right, they had, the UFC was starting, but how many times have UFC has UFC clashed with other things on UFC Fight Pass before? You're telling me they couldn't clash for three minutes while the UFC was doing an intro to do an interview with Ian Gary. Bullshit, they should have done it. Uh, but anyway, he spoke afterwards, he labelled it up on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and he said he was injured coming in, he said he had an issue with, I think, his right leg coming in and he couldn't throw it, so with that said as well, an even better performance, win five rounds as well, looked fit, and his cardio looked fantastic, even in the fifth round, I think the fifth round was the one, the closest of them, but uh, I, I had him winning every round, I think all the judges had him winning every round, and I think one judge had him winning round two, 10-8, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where Jack Grant was kept calling him on and just eating a shitload of strikes, and he where he had almost had the submission as well, but an all-round brilliant performance, you know, if you... Uh, we, we'll talk about everything else in a second but if you hadn't heard anything else if you hadn't heard the drama if you hadn't heard everything and just seen minute one to minute 25 very very good performance i thought what, what did you think of uh in gary's in work uh work or in ring work even or in cage work this weekend graham yeah well i don't think you can separate the two the the drama and the fight i think you know the adversity that we like the adversity that he had to overcome the the mental battle and the you know the culture shock of not having them all them people around you being injured just everything is is like it's a huge part of the fight it, it has to be uh you know he's never really dealt with a a title fight five rounds you know this experienced a guy no no chris fields or nobody from from his camp in, in his corner that's that's i don't think you can separate the two i think you know considering all of that the performance is absolutely brilliant um you know he never looked in trouble i think he got hit with one shot that kind of clipped him uh, but he was kind of he he's kind of off balance at the time i think it looked worse than it was and i think they even had a little chat about it and he said oh it was a nice shot in fairness to him uh we could hear a lot of what they were saying in that corner but uh, i think yeah i think you know he did 
he he did brilliantly considering everything that was going on. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems like that can cause a lot of doubt. You know, injuries is 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 one thing that you know he maybe hasn't dealt with. Uh, on top of all the other stuff as well, and not not having one of your tools in your arsenal and not being 100% secure on that leg. Like he said in the interview, he tore the leg. So I don't know exactly what the extent of it is, but like it doesn't sound good. And um, he managed to overcome all of that. You wouldn't have, I, I didn't even notice. You wouldn't have even noticed in the fight that he had an, an injured leg. So, uh, you know, uh, absolutely brilliant performance. Um, and, you know, 7-0, and Cage Warriors champion. I think he was talking at the end of the interview with Ida with LaBelle that, you know, the UFC is next. I'd... I like. I think he needs to wait, but well, he doesn't need to wait. But I think like the the best the best option would be to wait a little bit and you know I get a couple more wins in cage warriors, a little bit more experience, sort out all the behind the scenes stuff, and you know you don't need to be in in this mad rush. Like I think he's he's uh, destined to get there at some stage. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I, I would a hundred percent agree. Like. Because of all the changes and everything that that's happened, I, I think that's a great point. I think he definitely needs another couple of fights in the UFC, or in the cage, or sorry, and especially considering what we've seen recently with the matchmaker. And we'll talk about that later with Joy Herbert and other things as well. Like if he goes into the UFC immediately and they throw him to the Wolves, and it's his first fight with a new camp or whatever it might be, that's that's a, t- a tough one. But um, yeah, look overall the the performance. We can get to that, but the the performance from Ian Gary. Uh, very, very good, and you, you, you know, you are right, you can't separate what has happened outside from what has happened inside, but to just analyse the performance, I think it was a fair thing to do first, well, obviously what, what happened outside the cage, if people have, I suppose, been living under a rock or whatever, um, I suppose the rumours started coming out during the week about Ian Gary having split with Team KF, um, no one came out and officially said anything, obviously myself and, and Graham, and I suppose other people as well, covering the sport, our duty is to ask the questions, try to get someone to say something. It's a story, you know. It's a, when someone is fighting for a title in the biggest, you know, league in our region, and they break up with their coach the week of the fight or the week before the fight. Us as people covering the sport, that's our job to tell that story and to get that story out from and get both sides of it out. And I think everyone would probably agree we attempted to do that. We tried to do that. I I spoke to Ian Gary. Obviously, I asked him those questions. Um, obviously he didn't want to answer those questions at the time, later he, he released a statement um, saying that his team had uh, left him, was basically what he said, um, we haven't heard from Team KF yet, so you know, I don't think you're going to make a statement for them or I'm not either, let them you know, release their statement or speak as well and I'd be happy to, to speak to them and get their side of it if they wanted to do that as well, but you know, that's from you know, obviously haven't spoken to Ian and obviously after the interview, a lot of people talking about it, it kind of came from there, but it would have come out anyway on Saturday night as he walked to the cage without Chris Fields and without Carl Pindred or Tom King. And, you know, he had Brad, Brad Morton said it on the commentary that uh, he wanted to have his, um, I think he, Brad Morton called her his manager, but I think it's his girlfriend as well, Leila Anna Lee and his corner. Um, and Graham Boylan, as according to Brad Wharton, the Graham Boylan didn't want that to happen. Wanted uh, a, a, an official corner and was threatened to call off the fight. I don't know. I hadn't heard that until Brad said it on the commentary. So that's in, very interesting. And then he got Paul Hughes to step in. Obviously himself and Paul Hughes, good friends down through the years, both on the same cage warriors. Or just so you know, for people looking from the outside to see Paul Hughes in that corner, 
Cage Warriors title fight victories as well. <laughs> yeah, with, with John McCallaghan. Yeah, he was, he was. But uh, but yeah, I, like I thought that was a good thing to see Paul Hughes uh, in the corner. But like, make no mistake about it. Like, if if you're from maybe outside of Ireland, you don't know Chris Fields that well. I I would suggest he's like the uh, the um, Matt Sarah equivalent of a corner man. He's loud, boisterous, <laughs> never stop. You 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 know you hear him all the time. I think he's much more sensible though than uh, Matt more, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, but. To not have him there, even watching it for me, to not have him there and to look at Ian kind of walking by himself to the cage was, it, it was weird and sad in equal measure, I think. And to see him afterwards, when he got the title, it, I've, I've you know, we talked about Joe McGulloch and I'd even be probably closer to, to Ian than I would to Joe. I've interviewed him for every single one of his fights from his first professional fight to this one. And uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, him with one or two other people would probably be the, the, the closest fighters I would be to around. And I I didn't have the same reaction, you know. And I suppose maybe because I, I not knew, but I thought he would win and I was expecting it more than the Joe one. But also with... <sighs> It felt like he didn't enjoy it as much. And he kind of said that afterwards in the interview as well. Uh, I'm sure he would have loved to have Chris Fields there with him. I'm sure Chris Fields would have loved to have been there. We don't know what happened. I'm not... Who's at fault? Who's not at fault? I don't know. And I don't... You know, apart from them, and maybe they wouldn't even agree. You know, no one probably knows. So, uh, it's... What has gone on is the question everyone's asking. I don't know. That's not my story to tell. But it's it's just it's sad to see where it is at the moment. We can talk about what's coming next, but it did did it feel weird to you watching that fight as well as it did to me? Yeah, it did. When he was walking out, he he kind of looked a bit sad or something. It it looked strange, and I think obviously it's a sad situation. You know, he's he's been with them since since he started. He's been he's been you know training under under Chris and Tom and all the other guys at uh, KF, and you know. <sighs> You know, a lot of work went in together, a lot of hours, a lot of, a lot of you know, talk of this moment, I'm sure, as well. Like, oh, well, you know, I think they were, you know, you know the the coaches, at, uh, the team KF were talking for a lot of years uh, from the very start about him being a champion, him being the next big thing. And, you know, we heard that from a lot of coaches, but, you know, the, you hear that from a lot of coaches of a lot of gyms, but, you know, uh, I think that they truly believed it and, and obviously, it's it's it seems to be coming to fruition. You know, he's he's well on his way to you know the world's at his feet basically at the moment. And, and it, it, right, like what is it? Ten days a week before a, a title fight, and this happens. It, it's I'm sure everybody's sad and disappointed, and nobody's happy with this uh, involved in the situation from Ian to, to the team to you know uh, even Cage Warriors and anybody who's a fan of. Uh, you know of uh, Ian, he's the, all the the Cage Warriors Golden Boy thing. You know, obviously Cage Warriors, like he talks about it himself. Cage Warriors are going to push the guys who are, you know, doing well, who can talk well, who can fight well, who have support behind them already. It's it's promotional sense, and you know, I'm sure you know Graham Boylan and all those guys didn't didn't want this to happen either. So like, this is a situation that nobody wanted to happen, uh, and. Hopefully it can be resolved, but you, you, you're thinking like you know if 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 it's if it's happened so close to a title fight, something must be seriously wrong there. Yeah, it, it's, it's disappointing and it's, it's very sad. disappointing. Yeah, it's very very sad. I think like him, everyone we haven't heard anything I suppose from Team KF officially. 
but I I can't imagine they weren't sad watching that. I you know we, we talked to a lot of our people over in the Patreon group, and everyone there was kind of like God on my. It just it just it it, it it's sad to say, but it took away from the moment. And the the one saving grace, I suppose, I think for Ian Gary, if he can get everything set and everything together, and get, either get back together or find a new team and keep progressing. Hopefully this, you know, I don't think this will be Ian Gary's, the biggest night of his career, you know, and that's, I suppose, the one saving grace. I think he will move on, I think he will do bigger and better things. Hopefully that's with Team KF, hopefully they can get it back together. By the sounds of it, I don't think it is, but, you know, weird things happen in MMA and hopefully they can get it resolved because I think everyone, you know, everyone was in it for the right reasons. You know, we, we kind of, we heard them speak a lot about the Cage Warriors route and, you know, I suppose... If you look at, say, SBG and Chris Fields and Tom King obviously broke away from SBG and they talked about, like, the original kind of vibe of SBG when we had all that drama there, what was it, two years ago or whatever it was, uh, and, you know, going the Cage Warriors route, getting to the UFC, whereas the SBG fighters, as we see, there's no SBG fighter, SBG Ireland fighter, SBG HQ fighter uh, in Cage Warriors at the moment, if I'm not mistaken, very very few in the UFC they're all going to Bellator all going that route uh, and I think KF wanted to kind of go that way you know the opposite way go through cage words get to the UFC and Ian Gary really bought into that you know from the interview he did with me a couple of years ago saying no one wakes up in the morning dreaming of, of going to Bellator they want to go to you know they want to play for Man United or Liverpool or Real Madrid they don't wake up thinking playing for Barnsley you know and that, that's kind of that was the mindset I think of him and to kind of to everyone to be on that same sort of mindset and then to break up so close to reaching that goal of getting there uh, and you know to reach the goal of getting this step to get there was is, is you know obviously very yeah. unfortunate and you know I suppose at, what can you do at the stage where it seemed inevitable you know yeah. it was like I think nobody was picking Jack Grant to win this fight before all the drama anyway you know I think uh, everybody in the know knew that Ian Gary was going to win this fight barring uh, you know something crazy happening and something crazy happened and he still won anyway but uh you know we can talk about all this and i'm sure we'll talk more about it as more comes out and as people talk more about it but back to the performance you know absolutely brilliant a totally deserved champion of of welterweight champion of cage warriors after seven professional fights you know absolutely it is it's a really brilliant achievement you know seven fights is is not a lot of fights at all in 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 professional MMA. You know he's gone in there against a guy with, with forty, what what seventeen wins and seventeen or seventeen wins and seven losses now. A lot of experience. An experienced guy who fought for the title twice already, the Cage Warriors title twice already. You know, and he just went through him like you know he, he beat him everywhere. You know, uh, even with an injury and all this all this mental torment and going you know going on in his head he had a lot going on we talked about it and um you know he's he, he showed he's a different class to, to i think he's a different class to anybody in the welterweight division in cage warriors and yeah uh that shouldn't be forgotten in, in all of this mess yeah i, I would argue probably uh matthew figlack is probably the second best one and he's already knocked him out so you know it's or did, he finished him anyway i think he knocked him out yeah but uh you know wonderful performance for me and gary hopefully the next step and it's interesting to see what it does where, where will he go Will it, will, could he go to SBG? Will he go to England? Will he go to America? Will he get back with Team KF? I don't know. 
hopefully he gets it started quickly enough anyway and he can get back into action and, and get those injuries uh, started out as well. So, but, uh, you know, a, a wonderful performance from uh, from Ian Gary and uh, 100% credit him. Fair, fair play to, uh, to him on that. Um, let's run through some of the, the biggest results as well. We'll touch on the, the other Irish guys. Uh, unfortunately, Decky McAleenan lost in the, the second round via rear naked choke against Stevie McIntosh. Um... I thought it was an interesting first round. I had Decky just ahead until the last maybe 15 to 20 seconds around. I think Stevie landed some lovely shots there. Managed to get the fight to the ground uh, in the second. I don't know if Decky was still hurt or not. I think the, the commentary kind of said it that he stumbled a bit as he was going back. Or maybe not stumbled, but looked hurt as he was going back in the first. And maybe wasn't fully recovered. Although it was uh, halfway through the, the second round where he ended up getting submitted. But, um, you know, a good win for, for Stevie McIntosh. And, you know, Decky in that lightweight division... There's a lot of moving parts in that division and a lot of fights in that division as well. And, you know, picking up one or two more wins, I think he'd be right back in the, uh, right back in there in, in that division as well. And a great win for Kieran Mulholland as well, um, who picked up a guillotine choke in the second round after getting badly, badly hurt in the first, what, 10 seconds of his fight against Conor Wilson. Um, so a very, very good win for Kieran Mulholland. He very important have, win as yeah, well, you know. Obviously, one two. and two isn't a better, better record isn't a great record but 0-3 is you know is a very poor record where you might even be getting another fight in Cage Warriors yeah 100% yeah so a great win for him and you know you'll pro- we'll probably be seeing him again in, in Cage Warriors and he's down at that 125 pound mm-hmm. division I believe he fought up at 135 uh, before that so you know great uh, great win for uh, for Kieran yeah, definitely take confidence from that bit of momentum and mm-hmm. you know hopefully keep improving yeah, 100%. Uh, other standout performances uh, from 125. We'll go through the, the three cards quickly here. Myself and Jake went through 123 and 124 and a f- with a fine-tooth comb over on uh, Patreon. So if you want to uh, get m- even more of a breakdown of them, uh, head on over there. But for me, uh, Gerardo Fanny got a lovely flying knee KO over Connor Hignes. You know, he had uh, a good performance. He didn't have a great performance in his debut in Cage Wires. But having watched him before that fight, I knew he was a good fighter and I think he showed it here. So a good performance there. James Hinden beat Paul McBain by a rear naked choke. And for me, one of the best performances of the weekend, William Gomez uh, defeated Tobias uh, Harilla. Uh, by a unanimous decision, just kind of ran circles around him. Harilla, non-stop, just in his fucking face for the whole fight, and Gomez proving that forward pressure doesn't win you fights, just picked him off from the back foot. An absolutely fantastic performance there. We saw Scott Malone got, getting a good win there as well, and Scott Pedersen as well over Marcus Lewis. Uh, and one two four, Justin Burlinson got a fantastic win after a couple of years out against David Bear. He could very well be next in line for Ian Gary. Um, very good performance. So, you know, he might have a couple more. We'll see what Ian Dean does, but a good win there. Nathan Fletcher, rear neck a choke over Brian Boland. The, the Hardwick brothers had two very good wins. The King of Middlesbrough and the Prince of Middlesbrough going in. Harry and George. Steve Amiable as well. I thought he performed well with a unanimous decision. Uh, Jesse Yorholland, if you haven't seen this, yeah. he was brilliant. This guy, he's only 7-0 and all now, beat Aaron Kelly. Did you, you see I saw that fight? Did you? What a performance. Yeah, yeah. He absolutely, like, he came in there and destroyed him. Uh, I was definitely expect, not expecting that. But, you know, as I think as you said uh, on the, the, the Patreon podcast with Jake, you know, Ian Dean has a, has a habit of this pulling these guys you've never heard about in nowhere and you know I think Gomez is another one uh, you know who uh, I, I didn't even know who he was and he went in there and beat a highly rated guy as well so yeah fair play to Ian Dean and uh, get, getting this getting these guys in yeah he, he indeed 
an absolute genius. Just brilliant. Uh, you know, it's picked up Dominic Wooding as well. Got a lovely win over uh, over Dominic Hardy. I'd say Dylan Hazan versus Josh Reed was almost the only poor fight of the whole weekend. And Josh Reed has been in fucking barn burner after barn burner, so we'll allow him one. But uh, yeah, very good. Uh, very good. And, and uh, Luke Shanks got he into did, the he final. Did break. <laughs> he did, he did, he did. Luke Shanks got into the 125-pound final to face... Uh, Sam Creasy who beat Aaron Aby the night before and a very good performance just looked really really strong uh, in that one also in that card the first night Matthew Bonner with a surprise win over Thais Frederick a really really good performance yeah uh, it's funny <laughs> this is, was one of those fights where there was a lot of top position for Bonner but I went back and watched a bit of this fight having thought that Bonner was kind of dominating it I'm not sure you know, Natalia Frederick had landed a good few shots and Bonner wasn't landing too much. So I think it was a closer fight maybe than people reckoned. There was a point deduction as well for Bonner. So maybe that brought it, brought it back a bit. But uh, it mattered not because uh, Bonner got the rear naked choke in the fourth round out of five uh, and won the middleweight belt. Big, big blow for Natalia Frederick. 38 years of age, I believe. Um, so his UFC dreams are, you know, maybe over, unfortunately, after that. But I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch and seeing that fight again. Um, very good fight. Another rematch we saw, Christian Neri Duncan against Will Curry. Really good performance from Christian Duncan. Will Curry, a very good athlete. But I just think Christian Duncan is a little bit ahead in his progression at the moment. Um, good performance from Gittins. Mick Stanton looked fantastic against George Smith. Never stopped, and Smith got tired, and he ended up finishing him. Same can be said for Keir Harvey. I'm a big fan of Manny Akban, and he got the win over him there by arm triangle in the second after losing the first round and a half uh, of that fight, or the first uh, half round of that fight, even. Um, O'Meal Brown as well, good win. Adam Cullen out of Paddy Pimblett's gym over in, uh, in Liverpool, and Rory Evans uh, defeated Jimmy Fell as well. To kick off that card. Um, so overall. <laughs> unbelievable. You know I, I think. The Cage Warriors 1-2-3 card. <laughs> the prelims ended in like 33 minutes. The four fights. It was, a, it was an unbelievable night of fights. Overall I think a fantastic. Uh, trilogy of cards. And you know with fans possibly coming back. In the UK now. Uh, I hope they do another trilogy. I'd love to, I, I'd hope, I'd love to do a trilogy in, in Ireland. Come over here and do one. Maybe and we could go to it. And, and be in attendance. I'd love to see it. I, I imagine even covering it at home. It's a lot. Um, but uh, I would love to attend one. And you know I must mention here as well. Before we move on to the other cards. Fair play to you know great coverage. Uh, Ian O'Neill. Sean Dinney. Uh, and all the lads for the, the fantastic coverage. Jake as well, obviously, joining me in the podcast, and Andy, uh, Andy uh, Stevenson as well. Some great stuff this week uh, from the boys over Severe Man. Thanks, everyone, who's listened and watched uh, the interviews as well, even though my Joe McCalgan one got half fucked up. But however, um, yeah, brilliant week in, uh, in Cage Warriors, and uh, hopefully there'll be another trilogy, and hopefully we'll see uh, them coming back again with another big one. Um, Right, Graham. Let's talk a little bit about. Let, I'll run through Bellator first, and then we'll run through PFL, and then we'll talk about the card that matters, the UFC one. Um, this Bellator card, honestly, I barely watched it. It was a fucking bore. It was oh my god. The the this the okay. The main event, uh, Valentin Moldavsky, uh, is the champion now. The interim champion of the heavyweight division took a decision over Tim Johnson. Boring as shit. Uh, no one cares. He's a good fighter, though. And, you know, if he fought Bader or someone like that, I think it'd be a good fight. But 
you know, it, it wasn't that boring either. Tim Johnson brought it, but it just, I didn't care, to be honest. It was one of those ones. I just watched so many fights by this stage. And the PFL was on at the same time. I think the Anthony Pettis fight was on at the same time. And I just kind of switched to Anthony Pettis fight and I was only half watching it. But uh, Liz Carmouche got a beautiful knockout. Shades of uh, Honda Housey against uh, Betch Cohea in that one. Uh, just came all out banging from second one and got thirty got a 35 second knockout over uh Kana Wantanabe and gave her her first loss of her 11 fight career so a good win there uh, the outlaw beat the jury as well um Sydney outlaw choked out Miles yeah, jury very good win last 15 you know, seconds of the fight besides like you know he lost to Michael Chandler you know three fights ago now before that he's on a serious streak going back to 2016 where he lost a split decision to Gregor Gillespie so you know he, maybe he's still one to watch. You know, he's 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 been around. He's he's a very good fighter. He's still only twenty nine, and he's just after beating Miles Jury. So you know, uh, he could be making a run at, at maybe look at the oh, at some of the upper 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 echelon fights. Yeah, it was a good performance too. Like he's as you said, like Jury is a guy. I don't think he's the best fighter in the world anymore, but. If you beat him, you're a good fighter. I think it's kind of that way. And you if you might, finish him as well, I think yeah. that, that, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And I think Jory kind of, in fairness to him, he did go for it uh, a little bit towards the end. But, you know, and, and fair play to him. He ended up probably getting choked because of that. But uh, all in all, I thought it was uh, that was a good performance from, from Sydney Outlaw. Uh, Daniel Veitchel got the split decision over uh, Keoni Diggs. I actually missed that when I was watching the PFL fight. Christian Edwards, this guy is 5-0 now. Uh, he fights in Wax, Waxen Jink, Jackson Wink, and uh, apparently does a lot of training with John Jones, modeled himself on John Jones, and you can kind of see it a little bit, you know, he throws that front leg knee kick, um, he, he's an intelligent fighter, nice jab, very athletic, uh, B. Young is one of these guys who is not the best fighter in the world maybe, but he is... A tough matchup at 205 pounds for someone just on their way up. I think just because of his strength and his toughness, and he's he's a technically a v- pretty good fighter as well. So I was I was very impressed with that Christian Edwards fight. Not maybe a fight you go back and watch and think it's the best fight in the world, but for someone who had four fights before that to get 15 minutes under their belt, I thought that was a, a good performance. Uh, John De Jesus and uh, beat beat uh, John Tessera, and yeah. Sarn back actually. I didn't see the other fights, but I saw the Sarn back fight. A very good performance. He's fifteen and what now uh, in his career. And uh, what what do you think of Sarn back? Like he's opening up the card here, one hundred and fifty five pound yeah. division. I was just going to mention that there. Yeah. Why is he opening up the card when there's guys who are zero and zero and two and zero and one and two, one and one? Uh, I don't know what's going on there. You know, he's a guy who's coming off wins over Stapes, uh, Pimblet. You know, Morgan Charrier, Terry Brazier, Bobby Lee, and he's opening the card. I don't understand what's going on there. I think Sardenback is one, and Sardenback, obviously, Kiefer Crosby's accent for some reason, but I, I genuinely think he's one of Bellator's best fighters, you know? And it doesn't seem like they know it, maybe, or something like that, but he, he won this fight. But, like, know, uh, what away. possible logic is it for him to be before a bunch of, you know, Bellator's prelims are notorious for just being complete you know, got local guys who they just threw together. And then Sorenbach is, is, you know. Do you think it's because they wanted it? 15 and 1 yeah. now. Do you, you think know, it's because they wanted it at a, a time where people in his home country could watch it at a good time? <sighs> I, I think everybody in MMA is, is used to watching yeah. it a little bit later, but maybe they were trying to catch a casual audience. But 
um, yeah, you, you could be trying to pull up the stream or whatever, and you've missed it by the time yeah. you know by the time you've got it. Remember that happened. Like, with I don't us think anybody would be expecting the fight to be on so early either. Yeah. Didn't that happen with a Kiefer Crosby fight for us once? It's like, what? yeah, well, they had it listed on the card in a different place, and then when you tuned in to watch it, it already happened. Ugh. That was before we started compelling about Bellator, and they got shit fixed a bit. Like, in fairness, I I must say right, and I I don't give myself compliments often, but my complaining has achieved a lot of shit over the last few years. And MMA. I must say, judging shit, Bellator being on television and stuff, uh, even PFL a little bit being on television, I've complained about that. Daniel Cormier tonight in the broadcast basically saying shout out to Sean Sheehan, you know, the the, uh, the you don't get five minutes for an iPod. Game changer, pod god. That's why they call me the pod god, you know. But anyway, sound back, put him higher up the card the next time. But uh, yeah. Good performance anyway, though. Uh, all around fantastic stuff from, from Sodden. Um, uh, Kiefer Crosby, as we speak about him, actually, he's fighting Georgie Carcanyon in his next fight, I believe. I don't think Bellator have reported it yet, uh, but Kiefer came out and put it out, and I believe they were looking at that fight, whether it's official yet or not, I'm not sure. But um, big fight for Kiefer again after losing his last one to Charlie Leary. A tough fight, you know, so uh, if he wins that... Uh, it'll be a big bounce back for him, but if uh, you know, it's he's looking at two and off. If he doesn't, or one two even, his last two if he doesn't. So, uh, big big fight for Kiefer. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on in that. And I believe Brian Moore as well. Uh, can I say who he's fighting? I was told that he's fighting, but it hasn't been announced yet. Should I just say it or not? No, like, no I don't know. It doesn't. Let's. I don't know. Name, name him. Name him. <laughs> will I actually name him here? Will I? Will I do it? Jared, sure, nobody listens to this shit anyway. Jared Scoggins, I believe he's fighting. <laughs> That's what I believe he's fighting, Jared Scoggins. But anyway, uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, Bellator, yeah, that was a Bellator card anyway. PFL then, um, as again, I saw some of this, missed some of it. Uh, Jamel Jones got uh, a very quick KO. Uh, you know, there was actually a 10 second KO on Bellator as well. I probably mentioned it there somewhere, but that was a lovely KO. Um, Marina Moroz got a win here. Uh, Hinan Fehea. Um, but the big ones I suppose were Larissa Pacheco who got a first round win and I think she's the number one seed now in that 155 pound women's division um, yeah, Capaloza got a lovely punches and head kick KO uh, in his fight with Modaris as well um, nice ground and pound finish from Dennis Gostelov um, Lance Parma went out of the competition after he lost his fight to Kabulev. And then Anthony Pettis lost a split decision to Hausman Fio. Close fight. Very, very close fight. Anthony Pettis, I've never seen him trying so hard to be old Anthony Pettis. Like, it looked like Anthony Pettis acting in a film as Anthony Pettis. It was just a weird fucking performance. I thought he won. I thought he won. I haven't gone back and watched it with a fine tooth comb, but yeah, you know, vintage Anthony Pettis. He goes in there, throws mad shit, wins the fight, and then loses the decision. Yeah. It's vintage. <laughs> that's exactly Anthony Pettis. That is that's him. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, he actually didn't fight that bad. I thought. I thought the other lad did very little apart from the third round. But uh, however, uh, and in the main event, then we had an armbar, armbar. Kayla Harrison just went in. And made Cindy Dandoa look even worse than Cindy Dandoa makes herself look by fighting. And that's a fucking big thing to do. She made her look so bad. Uh, but Kel Harrison is 10-0 now. Let her win her next, what is it, two fights to win this title. 
uh, get this million quid, and then I want to see her at 12 and 0 move to the UFC and straight away fight Amanda Nunes. And I don't want to hear any of the shit about she's not going to get paid enough or anything like that. Put her straight into a title fight. Pay her enough money. Get that fight going. That is a huge fight. I want to see it. I want to see her fight in the UFC. I want to see her fight Amanda Nunes. People might say, okay, she's not experienced enough. She hasn't fought the the people uh, who you you know you would want her to have fought to, to fight Amanda Nunes. If you can't see how good Kayla Harrison is, you're blind in one way, right? And in another way, then... Is rushing who, her in there, though, like that? Is rushing her in no, doing you her have the, to. at a service? You, 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 why do you have no, to? You have, I think you have to. She's... Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva when he was 9-0. She's going to be 12-0 going to the UFC. The uh, the people she's fighting, right, are not good. But who else in the UFC is going to touch Kayla Harrison? There's nobody. Okay, she might get a test against a Holly Holm or something like that, but she's beating those people. Let's be honest, she's beating those people. Is she going to beat Amanda Nunes? No, I don't think so. But does she have a chance against Amanda Nunes? Absolutely, yes, she does. She has world class grappling. Do you not think it's it's better to bring her into the UFC, give her a couple of nice matchups? No, no. Why not promote this? Promote it. Make it what it is. Make a champion of the world, Olympic two time gold medalist. If she loses, but she'll still be all of that if she gets a couple of favorable ah, matchups in no, the UFC. No. Get used to the UFC. UFC you know, yeah, uh, but make it big. UFC debut. You're winning the title. You're going to fight for the title. If she doesn't win it, do that. You can still do that. Build her back up. No one will say anything about her losing to Amanda Nunes. Look, look at Henry Cejudo. He lost to Demetrius Johnson. They built him back up, and in the head, obviously, the close fight. Which she lost goes out the there and gets absolutely destroyed by Amanda Nunes, for example, and she maybe she'll never be the same fighter again. Nah. She won't. She she's tough. Kayla Harrison is tough. She's cocky. A lot of she's tough confident. girls have been destroyed by Amanda no, Nunes. So. Kayla Harrison is different. I'm telling you, she, Kayla Harrison. This and Amanda Nunes, I think, would be Kayla Harrison. But Kayla Harrison would win rounds against Amanda Nunes. She would take her down. I think she'd win around. You know, maybe the first two rounds or the first round anyway. I think. I really think it's and she's much bigger than her. Like Kayla Harrison is a genuine 155 pounder. Amanda Nunes is fighting at 100, you know, and she's going to cut down obviously to 145 pounds to fight Nunes. But Nunes is basically fighting 125 pounders and 135 pounders uh, coming up in weight. Like Amanda Nunes had to put on a load of weight to get up to 145 pounds. She's a big size and strength advantage. Two gold medals in her back pocket. Twelve wins in a row by the time the fight happens. Come on, do I like? I, I'm promoting this fight here. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I really. How many fights does she have left? Do you know how many fights she has left on her PFL? I don't. Know. I think they do it by season. So the, she's two more in this season, but uh, I don't know. Hmm. I see Come on, have I not? Have I not sold it to you? No, you're not buying no? I, I like. I'd like to see it, but I. I think maybe you know, coming in your first fight in the UFC uh, can, can sometimes give jitters, and then you're you're in there against Amanda Nunes. She's a different beast. I think it's adding to the, the the difficulty of of an already really difficult task that could be maybe alleviated slightly if you put her in there with a couple of couple of handy you know ones that pose basically no threat to her. Maybe, maybe. But sure, look, we'll see anyway. We'll see. Um. Right, let's touch on the UFC tonight, and we'll run through this pretty quickly until the, the top couple. Uh, I'll go from bottom up and give you a couple of the results. Uh, Damir Hazovic got a good win over Yancy Medeiros, won the unanimous decision there. Uh, Charles Ross, I got a split decision win over Justin James, who apparently put his whole fight purse to win and then ended up losing. Uh, 
which was just idiotic. Please, fighters, do not do that. Uh, Julia Villa got the queen of cringe thing after that. She just started crying and then rubbed blood on Daniel Cormier's suit. It was hilarious. But she beat uh, Julia Sterinko via rear naked choke in the third. Uh, Marcin Pracheco got a beautiful body kick KO. And also the um, Dean Truman fight. Um, who'd fucking beat Dean Truman? I can't remember. Whoever beat Dean Truman got a beautiful... Uh, Hardwick. It was Hardwick. He got a beautiful... Uh, body shot KO as well. A beautiful, beautiful KO. Uh, Jeremiah Wells with another one. Right hook. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. He beat Warley Alves, which was a very, very good win. He's UFC yeah. debut, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So, good win there. Uh, uh, Rachmanikov beat Perezerez, who was about 75 feet taller than him. Uh, but he got the uh, rear naked choke there. Kennedy and Jukwu. This lad, if there's a man to bet on in play, this is the man to bet on. Down two rounds again, like he's fight before, and ends up getting the uh, the TKO on this against Daniel Marquez. Uh, an exciting fighter, not the best fighter in the world, but never said I. You could never rule him out in a fight, and a, a great win again. And what about this fucking... What? Who did Jai Herbert... Uh, what? I just... I don't know. I can't even speak anymore. Why is Jai Herbert fighting Hinata Maikano? Why are the... Well, who did he fight? What did he do oh, to deserve this? I is have no you idea. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I know we've we have absolutely shit all over the UFC matchmaking before, but Joy Herbert comes into the UFC. They they match him with March Casey first, tough bout. The match uh, doesn't happen. They match him with fucking Francisco Trinaldo. They match him with Drakkar Close, who and that fight doesn't happen. And then they match him with Anato Maikano. Why, 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 why are they giving him such tough matchups? This guy is ten fights into his career. I just want to get him ready for uh, Habib's return. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like, you, this is a very good fighter, and you could see him cut from the UFC now after this. Like, oh, it just what I kind of uh, I was depressed watching this. I was like, why did you do this to Jai Herbert? There's just no need. What, what did you think when you were watching this fight? Just, yeah, yeah, on the feet, like he he had a couple of nice moments, but uh, you just knew to saw a matchup. You talked about it before. I think we talked about it on the podcast before. It it, it was just another. Uh, very difficult matchup for him, and uh, we always we all, well. I'm always talking about the old days with Joe Silva, but I think back in those days, you know, if you signed a guy, you had a bit of a plan for him. You, you kind of knew what he was about and knew what you're going to do with him. Nowadays, you're just throwing a guy. Uh, the matchmakers are just throwing a bunch of names and say match these guys, and they just throw a bunch of names together. That's what it seems to me. Like it doesn't seem to be much, you know. Uh, much process behind it yeah it was just awful awful it's a pity and i look i hope he gets another opportunity but the way they're matchmaking him here they'll probably give him the fucking dustin barry annex or something you, know? you want to throw you want to you want to throw 12 and o's or 10 and o's 12 and o's in against fucking amanda nunez with no ufc experience so ah well come on that's, a bit, that's a bit different oh go on that's a little bit different Shh. give me give me sean Shelby's job uh <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, look. I hope. I hope he gets another run because I think he's a very good fighter, and I think he has the ability to go a long, you know, long uh, way. W- you know, somebody we were talking about earlier would be a good addition to the UFC uh, matchmaking team. <laughs> It'd be yeah, terrible Dave. for Cage Warriors to to lose him, but uh, you know, he he'd probably you know do a much better job at uh, at these entry level uh, um, UFC fighter matchups. 100%. You know. Uh, if you just put them on the entry level, guys, the, your first four fights, five fights in the UFC are going to be matched by Ian Dean. I think a lot of these guys would develop a lot better. Yeah, that, that's actually a great idea. Give him every division, 
but only guys with less than five fights in the UFC and then let Sean Shelby and, and the other lad do the rest of them. That would actually be brilliant. What do you, what yeah, you think? Because Sean now? Shelby, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard, in fairness to them, there's a fuckload of fighters yeah. and a fuckload of fights and there's not much time to turn around these cards, but like there's only so much you can do as as uh, when you're dealing with such numbers. But an extra man in there who knows what he's doing, you know, obviously Cage Warriors probably don't want us talking about this even <laughs> getting the idea out there because he's so valuable to them. But, uh, you know, Ian Dean's been in this game a long time. He probably deserves a bit of a fucking pay rise as well. I'm not sure what he's been paid in Cage Warriors, but I'm not, sure the not UFC... Enough. Not, not enough. Yeah, I'm sure it's not enough, and I'm sure he could he could probably, if, if the UFC were interested, he'd probably be able to negotiate himself a nice deal. So uh, for everybody involved, except for Cage Warriors yeah. and maybe for... For Cage Warrior shows that w- that we watch, probably the quality would go down. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. To the, we we've actually talked about this before for over the years, like off record, and I've heard a lot of people say it, but uh, it doesn't ever seems to. Have, I think there was actually talk a few years ago of, was, of hiring yeah. in the UFC of hiring another matchmaker, but it just kind of didn't happen. I think a lot of the Cage Warriors lads are very happy to be in Cage Warriors as well, though. just seems like a nice place to be and fun. And like they, I think Cage Warriors, more than any other organization in the world, apart from the UFC, understand what they are, you know? And it's kind of a... Yeah, if Cage Warriors could pay the same as Bellator, KSW and stuff, yeah. there would be nobody fighting for... You know, everybody yeah. would want to fight for Cage Warriors. <laughs> 100%, 100%. But uh, what about as well making a little Cage Warriors fight here in the UFC? What about Jai Herbert versus Paddy Pimlet? How about that? 155 pounds. Yeah, that that'd be a, yeah, that'd be actually you know that'd be a tough entry fight for Paddy Paddy Pimblett as well. Yeah. But it's it's not exactly you know uh, as tough as we've seen, but maybe Reese McKee and uh, Joy Herbert recently. So he'd probably take that. Yeah. <laughs> he'd probably be, he if, would, you, uh, if you gave him that as a throw <laughs> as a throwaway, he'd probably be looking at the other guys around him. He'd probably be snap your hand yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, for fucking Joy Herbert, God Almighty! But uh, yeah, I, I'm I, look. I'm looking forward to seeing his next one. I heard Shimaev's looking for another fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trump fucking bought at him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you see, Shimaev actually turned down Luke Rockhold apparently, which I'm kind of happy about because I don't want to see him fighting mm-hmm. at 185. I'm surprised he turned him down. Yeah. yeah, it's probably an easy enough win. I think. Although you never know, Shimaev like he's coming off of a bad, bad bout of COVID. Like so. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. I'm looking, for, looking forward to seeing him back as well. But anyway, uh, I digress. Tim Means beat uh, Nicholas Dalby. I thought it was a very good performance, a smart performance from Tim Means. And that's not, uh, no no disrespect to Tim Means, but that's not always the thing we see from Tim Means. You know, he's the lad that goes in there and throws it all down. At, at some I, thought, I thought on the third for a second that when he got clipped, I thought, oh, his chin's going to let him down here. Yeah. But he did manage to kind of smother the situation and kind of use his experience and smarts to kind of, you know, buy himself the necessary time to, I think he knew he had the he knew he had the first two rounds in the bag so he he knew he just had to survive he didn't have to make anything happen so i think that was a, a smart a smart uh performance in the third round after being after being rocked especially when you're kind of you know your chain is suspect yeah 100 percent um uh, nicholas dalby i'm sure he'll get another fight in the, I, I think he's had a good run recently so he'll get another couple of fights in the ufc but uh andre feely and Daniel Pineda went to a no contest after an oh, eye bump. Yeah. What about uh, what about my boy Daniel Cormier's commentary here, where he was like kept going on about getting five yeah, minutes for an eye bump, yeah. and no one corrected him, even though you don't get a five minutes for an eye bump. He did. At least he corrected himself though in first. He did. Sean Sheen corrected him, and he corrected himself then after. So fair play to him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you're I, talking I, about yourself in the third person again. <laughs> yeah. 
Look, the fan god does what the fan god wants. Uh, I thought Feely performed pretty well in this fight up until the end, obviously. But, uh, you know, maybe they can run it back. Uh, Timur Valiev, I thought he looked good against Hany Barcelos. Uh, he won the majority decision there. Over the- Actually... What happened? I missed like the third round of that or something, but it was a majority decision. I'm not sure what happened there, but did you what, what happened there with Graham for it to become a majority decision? Um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? That we've seen too many fights. Uh Tanner Bowser. Oh yeah, this Tanner Bowser fight in. So Bowser was on the ground. He went to get back up, grabbed the fence. Jason and or DT grabbed the fence, who knows? But whatever that if he did or didn't, it doesn't matter. Jason Herzog touched him. As if he was stopping him, but didn't stop him. Let him fight. Then there was a nasty clash of heads between the two of them. And then Bowser knocked him on the feet. So, you could take your pick there from the four incidents. Fin scrab, referee stopping it, head clash, knockout. It was just a bizarre, like, ten seconds of MMA. It was like, what? what is going on here? But, uh... I my taking it right is that and I'm a big Jason Herzog fan, everyone knows that. I think he was at fault here. Um when you go to stop the fight, if you touch the guys and you go to stop the fight, then fucking stop it. If you were mistakenly stopping it, go right, sorry, start again, do nothing. Or you know, if you need to put in a mouthpiece or say don't if you need to give a you know instructions or whatever, don't grab the cage and then restart him. But don't half stop him let him keep fighting but you've distracted him and one lad thinks he's fighting the other lad thinks he's not fighting that that to me was the big issue here take nothing away from Bowser it wasn't his fault I thought it was Jason Herzog's fault and, uh, you know but yeah. what did you think of the situation I just think if it was Herb Dean you'd be a lot more angry <laughs> in fairness uh, in fairness I did I, I just have blamed him so I think it was uh, it was his fault in fairness but yeah you know uh, it's, it's a tough job and Herzog's been very good for a lot of years and he definitely made a mistake here but uh, in all seriousness you know I compared it to Herb Dean there but Herb Dean has been making a lot more mistakes and you know this is a job where um, uh, everything happens very quickly and you know uh, we've seen in the past Herzog being very decisive so hopefully he doesn't you know turn into Herb Dean basically yeah someone someone's made a great suggestion to me over on Twitter that Herb Dean should retire and be like the backstage refereeing analyst for the UFC I think that'd be fantastic you know if there was like an ipok, he'd tell you I was wrong he'd tell you if it was going you know if you needed five minutes or if it was going to a no contest or going to the cards or whatever maybe even talk a little bit you about know judging. the rules yeah, yeah. great have somebody who knows the rules yeah it'd be absolutely fantastic I would love to see that plus he's a terrible referee now so but I'm sure he still knows the rules but uh yeah I wouldn't mind seeing that but anyway uh, and in the main event uh, Cyril Gagne against Alexander Volkov if you listen, listen to last week's podcast I told you exactly what was going to happen here I, te- I said it was going to go to a decision I said it was going to be a technical fight uh, on the feet I thought Volkov would give him a little bit more problems with his jab and with his lint but he really didn't um, I think early he gave him a few problems in the first round even though I think you know I think he, Gagne won the first round I think he won all rounds uh, but I think, yeah, I think uh, Cyril kind of figured him out uh, pretty quickly. Like, it was a great performance. It kind of uh, went as expected, as you said. But, you know, uh, watching it, thinking about, you know, the the really top guys in this division and, you know, how hard they hit and, you know, uh, the lack of being able to kind of wear on them and take their power away and uh, not being really able to put people away if you're going to be 25 minutes in there with some of these, these guys like Francis and Ganu, for example, 
I don't know. I think I think he needs to. I think he needs. A, he still needs a couple more fights before you before you give him that that kind of raise up the up the up the rankings. You know. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 kind of like strange to say this right after a, you know a, a really kind of dominant performance where I gave him every round, but you know there is some real killers at the top of that division, guys who can put you away at one shot, and you know I think maybe maybe he can he can kind of raise his game and do, do the same thing, and you know be elusive and land his shots, and you know but. Uh, Volkov is throwing a lot of volume, but not a lot of lot of big shots. He's not really known as the, the biggest knockout guy. Um, I think I'm a big fan of him, but I think I think he needs a couple more fights, and he needs to he needs to kind of you know have a way of of he he landed much more impact than Volkov, but he's got to somehow add to the impact he's, he's landing to a strikes or be able to kind of mix in more takedowns because if he's going to be fighting Francis Ngannou, he's going to need to take away that explosive power and kind of like circling around and being elusive is not going to do that. Uh, so I think, mm-hmm. I think although an impressive win, I think maybe it's it, it, the thing I took, the, the thing I took most from the fight was that he's not ready for the, the, the upper echelon. I, I, do you know what? I totally and utterly disagree. I, I think, I think Cyril Gagne is a fighter we have never seen before as a UFC heavyweight. I, do you know what he is? Do you know what he is? He's the Dominic Cruz of UFC heavyweight. This guy. Yeah, but a Dominic Cruz is not fighting guys who can hit as hard as yeah, Francis Gagne with a quarter of a punch. Yeah, but Dominic Cruz is not getting hit. And I think that's what Cyril Gagne is. He's not really... He got hit with one shot in the fourth round here. And okay, against a heavyweight, that can be enough. But he's just not getting hit in his fights. And he's improving all the time. And he's hitting harder as well. I was, th- I was even talking to, to Ian uh, O'Neill during the fight. And he was kind of saying the same thing as you were saying there. I need a little bit more output. I need a little bit more variety. And, uh, you know, he could, 100%. He could do with that. But I think... And a couple more fights before you give him that... Yeah, I would agree with that. But level I, up. Like, yeah, I think if you put him in there now, like... I don't think it's going to end well. I th- uh, do you know, I think we're afraid of what Cyril Gagne is. I don't think we believe that someone can be this good at heavyweight. Honestly, I, I, I just... So if you stick him in there against Francis Ngannou in his next fight, who are you I picking? Know, I don't Cyril Gagne, I think. I don't know, maybe, maybe <laughs> not, not. Maybe, maybe not. But, I, yeah, maybe not, but... I, even if even if he not let, let's say he get he loses to Francis and he comes back and he fights in five more fights, I I think this guy is on the road. He might not become it, you know. It, we as we've seen this week, things can happen in MMA and things can change, but I think he's on the road to becoming a fighter we have never seen before in mixed martial arts. And what I mean by that is this athletic. I think he's on the road, yeah. But I think yeah. you know if he gets absolutely like plastered all over the canvas by Francis Ngannou in the first round can he recover and yeah, but like, be the fighter that he can be if he's given a slow roll would he though like maybe he would but would he like I think where he is at the moment we are thinking right he's going to decisions he's out technique and guys like that is it just like he's not good enough to finish him or is he too good to get hit and he's not taking unnecessary chances in fights and just winning them comfortably over five rounds against some of the best in the world like that's i i I don't know i'm not fully behind my belief of what i'm saying here but i 
I don't know. I think that might be it. If he does, if he does this against some of the best in the world, then yeah. But you know, Junior De Santos, what? Volkov, six Volkov months is ago, right up there. Like Volkov is ranked like know, number four in the world. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's clearly a level below the actual yeah. upper echelon of the heavyweight division. Yeah, it's true. It is a hundred percent true. But he's still murking these guys in a in a five round, twenty five minute, just destruction. Sorry, Volkov, I meant there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I have a feeling just after watching that fight tonight and what people said it to me, like you're the third person to say it to me now, he's missing something. I don't think, I think he has everything. I really do. I, I just think, I don't know. And I, might, I might be just, See, I, I think might he can have everything. Away. You know, he's, he's on team Graham and all that. You know, yeah. I think, I think he definitely can have everything, but I just, for one of my guys to be thrown there to the wolves unnecessarily, oh, I think God. is it unnecessary. You know, you don't want to be shown off. That's it. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think it's just for, the, for like, I think he can be, uh, you know, a really top guy. I just think, you know, pff, why rush him? You know, there's already fights at the top of the division you can make. Like, uh, people want to watch Francis and Gani knock out anybody, or the, you know, you can throw him in there against anybody, and people are going to watch it at the moment. You know, it's not as if you're struggling. Desperately, and you need to put this guy in a bit early. You don't need to do this. Look, you can, what you can, we need really is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones and, and Cyril Gagne versus Derek Lewis. That's what we need, really. But that's probably not going to yeah. happen. But. Well, like you, if you put him in there against John Jones, how do you see that fight going? Oh, I'd love to see that fight. I would love to. I don't know. I, I like. I genuinely think Gagne is the next level of fighter. I do. I really do. I just I don't think our minds are set for a heavyweight fighter to be this good. I, I like. Yeah, I, I, but you still have you still have like Curtis Blades. You still have uh, Derek Lewis. He destroy Curtis they, Blades. Yeah, but you can put him in there against both of them. He has time to improve yeah. in between with camps with you I, know time I, loss. I, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you. I wouldn't. Like, yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to get the Francis Ngannou fight. You know, Derek Lewis is going to get that. And if if John Jones is ready, I don't after even want to see him Jones get a Stipe fight either. You know, I think he oh, probably wins fuck, that. But I'd it's, love to yeah. see that fight. Oh. I think he probably wins it, but I think it's unnecessary to to, to yeah. do it right now. Is it or is it like a good way of moving Stipe out of that conversation for the UFC? Yeah, well, do they want to move Stipe out of the conversation? They probably do. Yeah, I think they, I think they've had enough of Stipe now in that operation on the heavyweight division. I think he's actually done a better job for than most people uh, would give him credit for. But yeah, I think they probably do, especially like if it's at the expense of Cyril Gagne, where they have like that story of him with Francis Ngannou's old gym that Francis left. You know, the Brendan Fitzgerald that spoke about on on the broadcast. So I don't know. I look. It's exciting times anyway in the heavyweight division. Oh, someone, uh, what was I doing there? I think at the turn of the year, what division? Especially if John Jones actually comes into the yeah. division, it is really exciting it's times. Really exciting. Yeah, it really is. Even like Derek Lewis, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to beat any of the top guys, but he's going to make an exciting fight. You know, whatever fight he gets, you know, okay, the Fr- Francis Ngannou fight, the first fight wasn't great, but I yeah. think the second fight. Yeah, in fairness he seems to be getting over those back problems that yeah. were leading to a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of cardio problems, a lot of you know, in fight, leaning on, <laughs> leaning on things and putting his hands on his knees and, you know, stuff like that. And he, he's lost a bit of weight and we thought about maybe that would affect him in terms of his, you know, suiting his style of kind of waiting and landing a big shot. Yeah. But he seems to, you know, look the best he's ever looked. So uh, like he's another, you know, 
kind of revitalize the fighter in that division. So, yeah, I think the heavyweight division is the healthiest spin in a long, long time. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, everyone, on that note, uh, let's uh, let's leave it there. Uh, happy birthday to uh, our boy Harry Kearns. Happy birthday to Cara uh, Clancy as well. Fair play to the boat here. Um, hope you have a great weekend. Uh, congratulations again to uh, to Ian Gary and uh, Joe McColgan on winning the Cage Warriors belts and Paul Hughes as well two 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 belts in the in the corner for him so very good and maybe he'll be the one to pick up the hundred and forty five pound belt as well next because uh, you know with Harilla losing at the weekend as well Paul Hughes is there or thereabouts in in that division so uh, big uh, news for him as well uh, if you have any questions as well if you're listening to this if it's out early send them over to me I'm actually gone away so Sunday I'm going to be recording the Q and A that'll be out. Uh, probably Monday evening, Tuesday as normal. Uh, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. As I mentioned, we have both McGregor versus Poirier rewatches. I did a little podcast as well talking about uh, a few different topics, Habib, um, pay per view buys, and stuff like that. That'll be a Wednesday as well. So, loads of stuff coming out and the QA as I mentioned as well. Uh, and obviously. This time next week, we will be breaking down in depth Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3, which is coming up in two weeks from today. I can't wait for that. Uh, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, appreciate you all. Great support during the week as well for all the interviews, for all the articles, Cage Warriors trilogy. Uh, um, and all that's left to do now is give the inspirational quote of the week. A stumbling block to the pessimistic is a stepping stone to the optimist. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday or Saturday or Monday or something.